You are listening to the Enormo Cast. Hey, crack climbers. Do you want a crack shoe that can easily do it all? From toddler sized thin tips to soul crushing off widths and every single size in between? Well, too bad. Because frankly, that shoe doesn't exist. So, this is where the word quiver comes in. Serious rock climbers simply don't rely on a single pair of shoes for everything, amigos. And Sportiva is more than happy to supply the goods. Start with the TC Pro, and you've got the monster wide, all the way to thin hands covered. Then a pair of Eco Mythos will pick up the slack in those smaller, hardest stuff sizes. Incidentally, both face climb like butter too. Well, not all slippery and greasy like actual butter, but, you know, delicious and satisfying. Then for the really, really thin stuff, well, you're kind of on your own because those Campfire Indian Creek debates can rage late into the night. Loose sport climbing or bouldering shoe? Mm, that's not a bad bet. Or just stuff those TC Pros and get strong? That works for some. Paddle outside the crack? Seen a lot of really good climbers go that route. Personally, I run a sized up Mira or a Katana and grimace and go. But whatever size is your crack dream or nightmare, Sportiva has the right weapons to drop into your quiver. And they're built to outlast even the most pitiful flailing. Check it all out at Sportiva.com or the local shop that really, really could use your business right now. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. Out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. We really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. I was afraid end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes and the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Kloos. It is about 10 o'clock on April 13th, 2020, and this is episode 196 of the Enormacast, a conversation with Janelle and Mark Smiley. Janelle and Mark are a couple who spent much of the last decade, much of their climbing time, pursuing the 50 classics of North America from the famous Steck Roper book that many of you have probably heard of, uh, a very, very valid and very close attempt at doing all 50 in that book, which no one has ever done, thanks to primarily the Hummingbird Ridge on Mount Logan. But we'll get into that in the story here. But the reason that I got them up here was because Mark has created uh, some online learning courses, some video courses at his website, mtnsense.com, covering uh, some really in-depth information about ski mountaineering, but also about climbing. And the one that really got me interested after I spent a lot of time online talking about rappelling after the TAPS episode where we much maligned 
samba repelling. You guys pushed back against that quite a bit on the Facebook page and stuff. Uh, I think rightly so, because you know we made a bunch of outrageous claims like we'd invented the question mark during that uh, late part of the taps episode, which means we were deep into those Brooklyn distillery uh, bottles of whiskey. So had to have a big chat about it online. And the thing that I figured out was that there was so much to repelling and so many ways that people brought up of being safer, of being faster, of uh, skipping some repelling, of the reason some repelling could be used safely, all these different things. And that is all covered in Mark's course. And the really interesting thing about these conversations I was having online about repelling is that uh, new shit has come to light, new shit that I was not privy to around repelling. I learned a lot of stuff getting emails and uh, looking at comments and things around the repelling discussion, which makes me think that a lot of you guys and girls out there, the folks that think they have this shit on lock, don't. And uh, you're actually wasting time and you're doing things that are unsafe and you don't even know it. I didn't even know the things that I didn't know. There were unknown knowns and known unknowns and all that sort of stuff. So I think this course actually could be helpful to uh, anybody, his repelling course. But there's also anchor courses, several different layers over there. So now these are courses and they cost money, but uh, I think they're pretty rad. And I think you can learn a ton. And guess what? You guys are stuck inside right now, not climbing. Maybe a good time to brush up on some of these things. And Mark is an 18-year guide. I think that's what he said. It's almost two decades. And Janelle's a guide as well. And they put them together together. But I do want to mention that Mark has a discount set up for Normacast listeners for the rest of April. And that's for 50% off the courses. So go over to mtnsense.com. Check them out. If you want to order a course, means it's yours forever, as well as some updates to it um, if they come up and some other stuff, which we'll get into in the interview. But He's given a 50% discount with the uh, coupon code ENORMOCAST. 50% discount. So that's pretty deep. And one of the reasons it's so deep is because he's already giving a coronavirus discount to everybody at 40%. So you're getting an extra 10% off from the ENORMOCAST uh, up until April 30th. So if you're interested in those, get on it in the next couple of weeks. What else you got going on? Okay, you can only hangboard so much, right? And you can only watch free solo so many times before it starts to annoy you. And frankly, too much Enormacast is not a good thing either. Just ask my girlfriend. She gets to listen to me all the damn time. So mtnsense.com and entry Enormacast at checkout for the discount. He's on a mission to save your life. Literally, he's on a mission to save your life. Okay, really enjoyed this conversation when I listened back to it and edit I uh, I had a really good time, which is a uh, you know a good sign when I'm not mortified at what I said or anything like that. So this was just a fun conversation. They showed up in Carbondale, um, had the kid in tow, but uh, she was with grandma, and uh, we just sat down and chatted. And you know I'd gone a long time sort of orbiting these two and not really meeting them, and uh, now I want to hang out with them more. Plus, at the very end, we set up for a sequel, which would be great. Okay, let's do it. Janelle and Mark Smiley. If there's one thing that has been relentlessly beat into your climbing psyche, it's that off with climbing is heinous. The worst. Only the realm of the truly sadomasochistic 
Don't even try it, you wimps, because it's just not for you. And yet the psychos at Black Dot. <coughs> and yet the psychos at Black Diamond have decided to up the ante, go all in, call your bluff. Use whatever gambling metaphor you want here because I'm just riffing. But anyway, those miscreant engineers have really done it this time with the number 7 and number 8 Camelots. Yep, the number 21 Camelot was a ruse, a cunning attempt to trick you. But the number 7 and number 8 are no joke. They are the biggest, baddest cams on the planet, featuring much of the pure dreaminess of the C4 line. With added beef where needed, and of course the trigger keeper for slinging them like a closed fist ready for the old 1-2 uppercut. So if like most off-with aficionados, you've been forced into a pant-loading run for the anchors above a tipped-out six, go check out Black Diamond's new large and in-charge number seven and number eight at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. You know, once this stay-at-home thing lightens up a little bit. Yeah, thanks for coming up. And uh, you were just down in your ray, and uh, I appreciate you coming to town. I know that a lot easier thing to do would be to Skype it in or something like that, but that's not how we roll here at the Normal Cast. So, welcome to Carbondale. Uh, what were you guys doing down in uh, down in Ure? We're shooting some film for the AMGA. Yeah, and my parents live there, so it was very easy to go down there and spend some time working cool. and having some free babysitting. Yeah, did you just come out for the day? No, we'll spend the night. Oh, okay. Yeah, we also started this idea of skiing. 10,000 vertical feet once a week and Aspen has a little better vert than you Ray does. So right. we'll do that tomorrow before we head home. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, and how old your, how old your kid? 11 months old. 11 months old. So that's new to the mix, huh? Yeah. <laughs> How's quite, that going? It's quite different. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super great. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely a change of pace, of course, but it's also super rewarding because you know, you can go do your thing and then get to come home and, you know, play with the baby. And it's, it's really fun. But there's ups and downs. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, it's a shock. I, I, you know, as everybody listens to the show, I have a three and a half year old, you know, lived maybe not quite the same lifestyle as you two were living. Cause I think a lot of your work in the outdoors was also professional, but still, you know, in the, in the tribe of, you know, traveling a lot, doing whatever I wanted to do basically yeah, <laughs> whenever I yeah. wanted to do it. And it changed, but also, uh, you know, I don't know how old you, you are, but, uh, you know, the, it's an evolution and sometimes even that lifestyle, which I think seems so awesome to everybody else's, uh, purview, you know, sometimes you need to change something up and, and having a kid is one hell of a way to change it up. I think it just adds another dimension. Right. That's what I, how I keep describing it. Uh -huh. It doesn't necessarily take us away from what we're going to do or how we're going to do it. It just adds another dimension mm -hmm. and babysitters become a lot more important. So let's, uh, I want to put that in perspective in terms of uh, what I just said about lifestyle. So Mark, explain like who you are in terms of your professional outdoor uh, acumen as well as, you know, just kind of what you're into in the, in the outdoors with climbing, skiing and all that sort of stuff. I've been a mountain guide, professional mountain guide for maybe 18 years now. And that's evolved from you know, raft guiding in Buena Vista to Mount Rainier slogging to now running my own company and taking people all over the world, just climbing, skiing, mountaineering, you know, alpinism. Right. And, and it's been great. It's been quite a ride. It's also very 
feast and famine, right? You know, like you do a big trip and then you have a big off season, and uh, and so there's also been a ton of other things like the video and and photo work to just fill in the gaps because like a, a lot of people know with these non traditional jobs going from gig to gig to gig, it's like where's the next thing coming from? And and always like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like you know, okay, you know, oh that'd be a fun way to you know do this or that, and my attention spans pretty short when it comes to vocational things as well so it's like oh let's try this and then go for it but as far as uh personal climbing been been into it for a long time maybe well i grew up in indiana and so that (laughs) (laughs) geographical hurdle was overcome once i graduated from college and moved west okay but I was super into it in middle school and on. But I was like the guy that like had Alex Lowe's, you know, picture and Dan Osmond's picture on my locker. And I liked the idea of it and the gear part of it, but I didn't know anything about how to actually do it. How did you, how did you end up in that world? I mean, you're in Indiana, right? Yeah. And uh, Boy Scouts is probably okay, the, right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So we'd go rappelling in Kentucky and right. and Southern Illinois and and then yeah, it's just like one thing, you know, from car camping to right. backpacking right. to climbing to you know climbing fourteeners out here in Colorado, mm-hmm. and then it's just that evolution uh, put me you know into the next thing. And when I would do like when I when I climbed the Maroon Bells mm-hmm. was the first fourth class thing that I'd ever done that traverse between North and South. And I was 21 or 22 then. And it just blew my mind. It was like, if this hole breaks, I'm going to die. You know? (laughs) And it was like, but that guy's doing it and he's not scared. So I better do it. I can't be scared either. And that, that was like a real, you know, like the bug bit me at Uh that point. Uh And it's like, what's next? And I've just kept trying to answer that question of what's next. And that's led me, you know, along the way i love that this kid in indiana had a had a picture of dan osmond on his locker <laughs> totally. like no one at my high school had, had yeah. climbers on their lockers yeah, yeah yeah and i'm sure no one else did either no so. it was like it was like me <laughs> greg howell and that's it right you on. know like and and greg still climbs a little bit but he's cool been, yeah yeah that's funny i i yeah because i you know it's like people know i grew up in the midwest as well and uh didn't learn to climb there though i moved mm-hmm. to colorado before it ever happened because mm-hmm. i was never a boy scout mm. and i hear a lot of boy scout intrigue in this but the boy scout type of climbing to like idolizing dan osmond's a bit of a a bit of a leap a little so, bit of a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well uh magazines also yeah, you know totally. we would pour over rock and ice mm-hmm. like i mean i flipped through the same thing you know i don't know 50 times right, or something right and would draw the you know the ads from the marmot catalog or the marmot ad and it was like i was into it and i I was into the when i say it it was like the the scene yeah yeah right totally like i didn't know jack about it like i didn't i didn't learn how to tie a clove hitch until after i got hired to be a guide on mount rainier (laughs) (laughs) and i just had to be like you know, people be like, tie a clove hitch. And I'm like looking around right, like, right. Uh, I got to tie my shoe. You take this one. Right, right. Oh, man. All right. Just remember that early clients. Um, there, some people are like, what? Uh, okay, cool. So, yeah, you you dove in pretty hard then. How how long between that 20-year-old 20, uh, 20 on the Maroon Bells to, to this Rainier thing? What was the... Uh, four years. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fast and furious mm-hmm. into it. I actually, you know, I, I started climbing in 1989 and by the time I was, by 93, I was also guiding mm. um, as well. 
like where did where did you guide? Uh, Colorado Mountain School. In oh, okay. Park. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice. uh, but I mean, guiding like you know, taking people top roping. Sure. At that point, yeah. Um, a lot of that. So, but pretty quickly into into bigger stuff. You know? Yeah. So, um, but that was a pre AMGA land too. So right. They just yeah they did their own training and yeah and uh, some point I learned the club hitch as well. <laughs> <laughs> and still, the rest still, is history. Still know it. Um, yeah. Luckily, I could do a one handed sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's switch over to you, uh, Janelle. What what um what kind of background do you have uh, that got you into the outdoors and the climbing? Uh, my older brother was in love with climbing. He would build climbing home holds out of wood and glue them to his wall in his uh-huh. bedroom. And my parents were supportive of that. And then we put mattresses all over the bottom of his floor. And when we when the holds actually broke off the wall, the drywall would rip right, off. Right, right. I was, I was about, you know, <laughs> I'm no structural engineer, but I was like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you have 11-year-old kids. Right. What, what do we weigh, 70, right. 80 pounds? Then yeah. I don't know. I grew up in Uray, and so he was really into it. And so my first climb I ever did was actually on top rope, and it was a 5'11". And I couldn't do it. You know, I'm just, I didn't know what I was doing. So my brother's like, okay, uh, you got it. Now uh, just reach really hard. And then he sat on the rope and, like, pulled me up. And I guess that's when I got the bug. And we just ran around and explored Uray. And his first climbing protection was knots, just tying a bunch of knots and sticking them in the rock. And, you know, we never fell on the you know, the protection he made. Right. Thank goodness. Right. And somehow we survived That's high awesome. Yeah. And that was, I mean, you're not that old. That couldn't have been that long ago. No, I, no, I graduated high school in 2000. Yeah. So, so that's funny. But we that, just couldn't afford it. And we didn't know right, any better right, either. Right. You know, well, we're running yeah. around. Because that makes me think of like the people I've talked to from the 70s that really couldn't find climbing gear and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, to, you know, 1994, 95, 96, 97, that's like pretty modern actually. So yeah, that's it's just because cool. we couldn't afford yeah, it. And right. We just didn't know any better. Right. Yeah. Ignorance. Even in your age. That's yep. kind of wild, you know, having... Well, it was like right at the beginning of the park taking off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the first time I went ice climbing, I was in boots that were like size 13 men's and I just was swimming in it and I was like, this sport is silly. Yeah, that's not... I still do that. I still <laughs> climb in terrible gear just so I don't... I don't I don't want to get back into ice climbing, really. I don't want to like see the vision of what, what it could be. So um, I sort of purposely like make myself climb in crap gear just to go. stay away from it um nice. I, I don't want to go back my hands have remained relatively pain-free for something like 20 years now so yeah so i just wanted to kind of establish that the first time the first time i sort of heard about uh you two together as sort of a climbing force was some mission uh to climb the 50 classic what is the name of the damn book <laughs> the book of like <laughs> 50 classic climbs in North North America. America. Yeah, Yeah. this like completely propaganda book that has gotten, I think, a lot of people into into trouble. But yeah, I remember hearing about that. And, uh, you know, I think I, I, there were some people that had talked to me about having you guys on the show. I mean, we could do the whole how you met and everything else, but, but let's just get to the meat of the climbing that I've heard about is like, what was that all about? And how do you end up as not just deciding to do that, but deciding to do it as sort of a, I mean, it became kind of a public mission as, as who you guys were as climbers yeah. that I heard about. Yeah. Um, I don't know who wants to field the, the initiation of this program and yeah. how long ago it was and stuff like that. So it was my idea. So I'll, I'll take this one. Right. And I first heard about 50 Classic Climbs during an AMGA course. And Christian Santalisis had climbed 20 classics in 20 days with Hans Florine and two other people. Mm-hmm. And they 
started in Yosemite because there's like seven or eight in the valley, and then they moved through other parts of California and Colorado. And I don't know their exact route, but right. he was talking about this, right? Because it's a pretty it's a pretty significant accomplishment, endurance effort, and we're just hiking up to the you know climb this this mountain and. Washington Pass. And I'm like, what's a classic? And he's like, oh, it's from this book that was written in the 70s. And and so I immediately, you know, well, who who's climbed all of them? He's like, nobody. I'm like, really? And so we talked about it more and he listed off some of the routes and I'd climbed some of those routes, not knowing that they were on, in this book. And, and I was like, wow, those are great. You know, like I've climbed this one and that was really fun. And, and that one. Like what are some of those obvious ones? Is like Core Ingalls is in there or yeah. stuff like that? Yeah. That's actually one of the worst ones oh. <laughs> as far as quality goes. But uh, the ones that I had done before were, you know, like Royal Arches right. in Yosemite and uh, the West, West Ridge of El Dorado in, in Washington. I had climbed that one and. What else? Mount Stewart, I believe. Yeah, the Northridge and Mount Stewart. It's mm-hmm. like super classic. And and so it was like, wow, no one's climbed all of them. Like these are great routes. Why why isn't that a thing? Right. And so I don't remember the exact time frame from when that conversation right. was to when I was like, hey, Janelle, you want to climb all the 50 classic? No, no, in North he America? came home right away and he was so excited. He's like, Janelle, we've got to do this. This is the best idea. And I was like, okay, you know, adventures are fun. And you know, I kind of agreed to the project without really researching it. And so both of us are like, all right, let's do this. And I'm like, oh, my brother's living with a photographer or videographer. Let's ask him if he'll shoot the first one. Let's just go like, go make it happen. And so <laughs> this is the funny part. We went to, we went to Estes and we go and climb the diamond and everybody knows the casual route is the classic on the right. diamond. So we climbed that, we filmed it. We're feeling really good about the start of this project that we're doing. And then we went home and decided to buy the book and the book came in and we found we did the wrong route. Oh, right. Isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's is the it D1. D- D1, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is, a, is a bit uh, sort of larger pill. A little, well. a little <laughs> harder. Yeah. Yeah. A little harder. So we, you know, like you said, got ourselves into trouble by biting <laughs> off this project that we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But Mark is all about doing what he says he's going to do. Yes. And so seven, eight, <laughs> nine on, years later, you know, still, still at it anyways. That's more of the story. Yeah. So then the first you know, that was in the fall. And then in the spring, we climbed the Cory Ingalls because that's, you know, right. like everyone from Colorado goes to Utah in the spring. And mm-hmm. that was the gets... first correct route we did. Yeah. And cool. Then, You're like, all right. Yeah. No problem. We, we got this one. You <laughs> know, pitches. Right. Hard 510 or exactly. 59. We got it. And Boom. then we went up to Alaska and the plan was like, all right, we're going to climb the West Ridge of Moose's Tooth. And then we're going to bump over to Mount Huntington. And that should take, well, the book says it's, you know, one to two days. So we'll do it in one day. And then that'll leave two, three weeks to climb the Cassine. And then we'll have three done, you know, in, in a month. Sweet. You know, in May, we'll just like knock these out. And it was my second time to Alaska. I had guided a trip on Denali and it was Janelle's first time. And you land on the Ruth Glacier, and then the plane takes off, and you feel real small, right. real quick. And we got up to the the west, the fake summit of Moose's Tooth, that first effort in 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't even count as far as the list goes. And that was it. <laughs> you know, we flew home. <laughs> you know, we had, we kind of tooled around on Mount Brill. We climbed Mount Brill, which, you know, uh, as far as the, as far as the, 
project went yeah. didn't count. There's a bunch and, of Alaska climbers if they're listening that knew the end of that story before you got. Yeah, to the end totally. Of the story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They Man, you fly up there for the first time, <laughs> yeah. like the, the, uh, the bravery. It's just interesting. The bravery that happens looking at the computer screen mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. And well, then you get there and it's like... And there's just so much you don't know you don't know. Right. And you, you know, I don't know. We were both running up and down Mount Rainier a bunch. We felt like it would be no big deal. And we were so... Un- we underestimated that quite extremely. Well, and anytime you, anytime you have snow in the equation, then you're, you're thinking about conditions. And with rock climbing, it's either raining or not. Right. You know, and then if it's dry, there isn't like, well... You know, is there that persistent weak slab under right. that rock hole? No, that doesn't exist. You know, and so it's just a it's just a, a different mindset that you have to go into it with this alpinism stuff. And then sometimes the mindset is there's a Serac wall. Is it gonna kill me or right. is it not? Right. Probably not, but you know, looming in the back of your mind, that could break off at any time. And so that's you know, I mean it's just it's a different Yeah. Different you just of, didn't know that at the time. Not that we didn't know it. Like we we didn't blindly walk under right, Ceracs, right, right. but you just you know you, you starting out you don't you ha- don't have all those stories of this yeah. person or that person right. or that experience or you knew this one guy, and so those aren't playing in the back of your mind. You're just like well, psyched and yeah. You know. If you're young and psyched, I mean, they you, it's almost like you you know those things, but you're not internalizing them because otherwise you know, you'd never get anything done. And so it's like, you you do have to know about them, but you also have to sometimes just say, it's not going to be me. Yeah. Um, Because uh, yeah, climbing in the big mountains has those objective dangers. That's why they're called objective. They're just always there. Right. And, but it's just cool because, you know, here you are years later, you know, so many more days in the mountains under your belt and you're able to like easily reflect, but there's no way you're at that age and that, you know, kind of like charging mentality. That's how you get things done is you're not sitting there reflecting that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that's why, you know, a big part of our military is 18, 19 year old males. It's like when they say charge and there's a, you know, AK 47 in your face, you'll go. Right. And I mean, those old guys are like, no, no, you go. You can, you can throw me in the brink. I'm okay. (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, if like, if, if everything had lined up, you guys could have had like one of the all time great trips. Cause it's, it is possible to do those things in the right year, right conditions with the right attitude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just like, that being said, we took us three times to finally make it up the casino for everything to align. And there was another group of, uh, two boys that climbed it that same day or timeframe we did. And it was their first time to the Alaska range and they nailed it. And we're like, that's awesome. Way to go guys. Right. Um, so yeah, you kind of have the, the gamut of experiences And, and hopefully they stopped there. Because otherwise, they're, they're going <laughs> right. to get their comeuppance. Don't at ever some, come back. You nailed gonna, it. They're going to get their comeuppance at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, we didn't, even after a bunch of experience, you know, under our belt, we didn't stop, like, shooting for the stars as far as the plan goes. Right. Because as far as the list is concerned, it's, I would, you know, loosely say 30 of them are easy right. relative to the other 20. And then of that 20, maybe 10 of them are pretty darn hard and can be career highlights of a lot of climbers that climb those routes. And then there's four that are just not really climbed. And they're like the, the Moby Dick is what we call them. Right. And 
you know, the, the biggest one is the Hummingbird Ridge on Mount Logan, which has only been climbed once. Right. And it was climbed by the author because it was a career defining accomplishment. And it was even like, it was climbed in 1964, 65. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And on Logan, I'm on Logan. Logan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this effort that they put in was probably one of the biggest efforts ever that six guys put on a mountain ever. You know, there's no like asterisk like of North America. Of, I, I think it's of ever. Because if you look at that mountain and you look at the ridge that they climbed, it's crazy. And then right. you read their story and they had near-death experiences on the daily. Right. And that was just part of it. And yet they kept going. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. You know? I think if they would have given us the trip report before we went up there, we would never even have attempted. So there again, you know not knowing what they went through, I think. So you guys took a shot at the hummingbird. We did, yeah. Yeah, this was 2015? I don't remember. 14? Mm-hmm. 14. I think 2014. Oh, yeah, it was 14 because I got hip surgery right after. Yeah. The two of you? There uh, was a party of four of us that okay. attempted. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. be a rough. Well, and, and that's required, actually. Oh, okay. Parks Canada oh, okay. requires you to have a party of four. And and we wanted a party of four. You know, that's a good that's a good <laughs> rule. Mm-hmm. because you know just help with load and trail breaking and all that and so we janelle's janelle had uh labral tears and got cortisone shots right before it which had worked the cortisone the first round of cortisone shots worked and so she was able to ski race on those and it was like sweet this is a miracle drug and then she got them again thinking like okay we'll get you know two three weeks of pain-free existence to climb logan and it didn't work right and so she flew off and the three of us went on and we made it to like 13,500 feet or so before. And in a nutshell, we, the cornices that we touched, we touched five cornices, three of them broke immediately. And so it was just like, you know, as far as red flags go and the yeah. ma- mountain saying, eh, nah. Well, and the major hazard, objective hazard on that route is double cornices. So there's really no way to safely pass through these cornices. You're just playing Russian roulette. Yeah, yeah. there's no, there's no, and, and, you know, uh, Dave Cheeseman and Kath- Kathy Freer are both like, you know, their, their bodies are still yeah, up there. Yeah, they're up there. Yeah. And right. that's like, and they are the best of their day, they were the best alpinists right. in the game and had climbed all kinds of really, really cutting edge stuff. But gravity doesn't, you know, they don't care. You know, it doesn't care how cool you are. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's German guide in, in, in New Zealand said to me one time, which I always quote is, uh, he says that the mountain does not know that you're an expert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's exactly right. And so we were, you know, we were like, we were giving her, you know, and we were gunning for it. And the, the snow conditions just weren't working out for us and and we were terrified i mean it was it was a somber experience like we'd lay in tent a tent all day waiting for conditions and not really say much right and that i wouldn't that is a unique experience normally you're like hanging out on the glacier and you're making pancakes and you know like it's fun and on this one it was just like boy, I don't want to die and we each like dealt with that question differently janelle like cleaned up our house really well and like paid the bills before we left on this expedition. And, uh, Reiner, one of our partners, 
he left his room dirty and didn't pay any of his bills before we left. He's like, well, you know, if I die on this one, then I mean, it's like, that's like real, you right, know, like right. that's, those are questions that should be answered, but boy, do you want to make a, you know, yeah, a habit that was, of fir- that? that was the first time we wrote a will. Like, what are we going to do with our van and our climbing gear? Holy yeah. Cow. Yeah. It was <laughs> heavy. We Cause yeah. you, I mean, every, every story about this climb has death around it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the, the thing to put the book in context a little bit, who are the authors? Roper? Yep. Uh, Steve Roper and Alan Steck. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's kind of like, and, and this is what happened to you guys when you, or more to you, Mark, is that like, oh, it's the 50 classics. It's like a, you know, it's like a field guide to like these really great climbs totally. that, you know, are, are awesome and they're all going to be super good. And, but it's really like, yeah, I mean, when you get down to Hummingbird Ridge and I'd actually forgotten that that's the, that's the, the, the sort of nail in the coffin of these things. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, define a classic, like, mm-hmm. you know no one's ever repeated it you know it's like whenever you talk to a first ascensionist about his awesome you know sport climb he just put up whatever it's like oh yeah it's super classic it's like the and and i'm always like no 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 you don't get to say that like other people get to say that right you know about your your little baby that you just birthed right on the walls of rifle or whatever yeah so it's it's really strange that that one's in there and that's like the one yeah everybody's just like well Fuck that. Well, well many you know, of these kind of many yeah. of these routes actually didn't have very many ascents. Right. And I think Alan got together and Steve got together with their buddies. They're like, Well, what have you done? Oh, I've done this and yeah. you know, great and career defining. And so they're like, Okay, cool, we need fifty routes and they just threw them in a right. book. And I don't think they necessarily had the test of time to prove that they were classic. Yeah, and also like we just are interpreting it wrong. Cause I think some of them, you know, they're they're they are highlighting this thing that changed climbing or was super important but that also means it was extremely difficult yeah and we're used to like a guide like that being like yeah they're, these are roots for the people mm-hmm. you right. know what i mean so well history was a really big yeah. aspect i mean it was the aesthetic appearance of the route the history and the quality of the rock which i laugh because there's a lot of rocks that were not well isn't the finger of fate in there yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's a yeah. that's a mud pile. Mm-hmm. I mean it's cleaned up, but it it's sure like, is aesthetic though. Yeah, the yeah. history did you guys is pretty climb profound. It? We did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. too bad that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we went up there with just a free climbing rack. We didn't have mm-hmm. uh, tri cams were the real thing that we didn't have that we right. needed for those pods, and I also didn't have like any kind of hooks or you know any type of aid climbing stuff. We did and some so, lassoing. I mean that was a that yeah. Was a, it, it got kind of rowdy and. And then, I don't know, climbers are so funny because it's like, uh, we were talking to one guy and I don't know, we were, I don't, I don't think we were bragging when we were talking to him, but he's like, well, did you climb it before or after the anchors were updated? Well, I did it before that, you know, really? so it was sketchier and it's was like, okay, cool, man. <laughs> 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 it was there there was plenty of sketch you know even though the anchors were quite good because right. even you know every month those anchors melt out a little bit and right. I'm using the word melt <laughs> specifically because <laughs> that that mudstone is gnarly yeah yeah. So, yeah yeah but no i think you know back to the uh, i i don't you know i don't think that alan steck and steve roper did a disservice to the climbing community at all because they're just you know i could just 
in my mind picture them like, hey, let's write a book. You know, they're authors, they're mm-hmm. they're wordsmiths, and and they're historians. And so this was them sitting around the kitchen table, and they didn't know if this was going to sell three copies, you know, to each of their mothers, and right. they'd buy their their own book, or if it was going to take off and be this like thing that for a couple decades people were like, you know dedicating their climbing time to checking off the list. And the other thing that's, I think, unique in context of the late 70s, early 80s is that the internet wasn't around, right? right? And so sharing that beta, like even seeing a route from Rocky Mountain National Park when you lived in Michigan, that was the first time and the only time that you would see Hallett Peak, for example. Right. And so you're like, wow, this is, you know, this is a, a light in this gray space that is Colorado climbing, and I am going to go there. Right. And so I think it's awesome that they did it. I think it's awesome that they didn't just put gimme climbs in there, but, and, and they, but they did put a few gimme climbs in, like Devil's Tower. You know, we lapped the that. Durance route. The Durance yeah, route. Right, yeah, right. It's like 5'7. Yeah. Right. And, and and Castleton Tower, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a very attainable route. And then Royal Arches is also in there. Yeah, and, and then as you go, great ones. really as you go further north in latitude, you will get harder. Mm-hmm. And so the Colorado Rockies or the Canadian Rockies are a big step up. And then when you get into the Northwest Territories, that's a big step up again. And then once you get to Alaska and that, you know, like St. Elias range, that's the real deal. Yeah. And the proboscis is in there, right? Or not, not proboscis, uh, lotus flower. Lotus flower. Right. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what's in the, in the Canadian Rockies? Is it like Mount Temple or something like that? Mount Temple, Mount Alberta, Mount Robson, the wishbone red red off of Mount Robson. Did you take any of those? We got all of them. So we, so where are you? Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. So we've, we attempted all 50. Right. Okay, cool. Well, that's pretty badass right there. Yeah. And we made 48, 47, 48 summits. Depends how you asterisk them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the the two that we didn't get was Middle Triple Peak and Mount uh, Logan, and those two the objective hazard. And d- is objective Middle Triple are... like in the Kachatnas or yeah. something? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so essentially, Middle Triple is like L Cap with a big Serac wall at the bottom and a snowfield at the top. Right. And and a very complicated approach. Right. <laughs> well, the approach was the thing that you know I think we finally got on the wall, but every time we crossed underneath this giant hanging glacier, just kept cleaving off. And we would purposely unrope and just be like, okay, which direction are you going to run if it goes? And it was just, we're like, this is silly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we crossed under it six times and our tracks were covered with debris, four of them. Like you know? big debris, like right. refrigerator. Like yeah, maybe it's a, it's a climate change thing too. It might be much more active than it ever was before. And, and totally, because we talked to Conrad Anker who climbed it and mm-hmm. he didn't even mention it. Right. And so I wonder if, you know, he was also, I think, in his 20s. So either he didn't <laughs> notice it or... And on acid. You know. <laughs> and he, I mean, he, he had a near-death experience on right. it. Like the last pitch, they're rappelling down and um, I think it was their anchor failed. And then he was like down, you know, down you know, climbing. If I, we should ask him, but yeah. his anchor, I guess something didn't work. His buddy fell with the rope. So now he was on his own still with a couple hundred feet to go. He was down climbing. Mm-hmm. Something slipped. He went, but the snow was so soft down below that both of them survived and walked out. Right. It's like, yeah. It's like, heavy. wow. Yeah. You know, like, whoa. And so, that, and, and I think that route had only been climbed, has only been climbed maybe four or five, maybe six times. And so when, when we got there, the bottom 
hundred feet had fallen off. And so a lot of these alpine rock routes, the, the lowest part of the rock is the rot most rotten mm-hmm. because the glaciers, you know, as they're receding they're it's exposing this freshly, you know, churned up granite. And just like on half dome, like it, it, it exfoliates. And so it had exfoliated a hundred feet right off the snow. And so when we got there, we had to reestablish that section of just blank rock and we're not big wall climbers. And so literally the first time I'm using a beak and and like a hook, I just like, you know, hammered this bat hook with a hand drill because, you know, power drills aren't allowed in the park. And it took me four hours to get up a hundred feet. And I was terrified. <laughs> I mean, we were, so we were, you know, right. we were definitely hanging it out there, yeah. but we used up all of our good weather yeah. to just put this, put this route back together. And, and then we had nine days of storm and we tried a couple more times and ultimately went home, you know, cause it just, you know, didn't happen. And that was just the two of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, like try, talk about um, testing sort of, a relationship and resolve together. That's pretty intense. Like yeah. to, you know, go up there and be living in this like edgy world of, of, uh, of danger like that. Oh know? yeah. It's definitely made parenting easier. <laughs> parenting is so easy. <laughs> oh, we got a code Brown. No big deal. <laughs> Wait, the kid's alive. Okay. We're fine. Yeah. Fine. Is there, she's crying. That's an airway. We're good. Right on. <laughs> so, uh, 48 ain't bad. Not bad. You guys. 48 asterisk. <laughs> Wait, you keep saying asterisk. Just let it out. Yeah. No, I mean, like Hallett Peak fell mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So we didn't climb the bottom two pitches of that. We didn't go to the summit of all the things. Like when we climbed the nose, we didn't go to the summit. Whatever did, the summit is, the I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, in like we, Mount St. Elias, we climbed a different route um, because the objective danger was too high. Right. And so we went from the ocean to the summit and skied the thing. Okay. And that was way well, more fun. Yeah. You know, yeah, Check. yeah, so we're we, like, we're good. We kind of no played with it, yep. boom. And um, I was gonna ask you about the North Cacar whether you'd gotten to it before it fell off or not. No, no it fell off a long time ago because I was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was in Nestus when it happened, so. really. Yeah, yeah, do you like see the like debris, the dust? Oh, we went up, kind of I went up to guide it the next day. Wow. Oh. I was basically the first person to sort of be like, what the hell is going on up here? Yeah. Did what, you think did there you... were bodies under there? Because it's a popular route. No, I, it, you know, it like the, the, there was just all this like weird and wild debris all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, the, the whole kind of like, there's a big story, but we ended up doing this. Um, we ended up doing Jackson Johnson. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then on the way down, my client actually uh, just walking down on the snow after we'd come off the mountain, got our stuff from the base and like heading down towards the lake, he slipped and fell into a tree we- or a, like a well where it melted out from a boulder and mm-hmm. just destroyed his ankle. Oh, shoot. And so then there was this like huge rescue, yeah. um, all night rescue to get him down across the lake. And anyway, so it's all like mixed in with, with this whole Jack yeah. uh, Hallett peak thing. So that um, was springtime, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there was like, you could just always see the giant scar from town. Hmm. So, um, yeah. But how'd you get, you just climbed around the junk? Yeah. Is, there yeah. a, just, is there a new start? I mean, we made, we made one up. We made it happen. Yeah. I mean, who knows if we were on or not. It, it probably <laughs> went, you know, it was a little run out, that I guess. Counts. But That's just still like five That's the way yeah. the mountains yeah. work. You just improvise, yeah. right? All right. We're erasing your asterisk. Okay. <laughs> Officially here on the Normal Cast. Jury, you know, (laughs) 
gavel. <laughs> the gavel has right. dropped. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. You've given you've 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 done what you're gonna do with that. I hope. Yeah, you know, I mean, like the. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we have a child now. We have a child. Well, Mark. Mark kind of jokes that, you know, by the time our child is 16 or 17, that glacier on Middle Triple will have melted and fallen off. And then we as a family can go back oh, okay. and, and yeah, finish this be, project. She can be the rope gun. Right. All the... All the like a thir- 13D uh, start. Yeah, maybe we could do this when she's 11. Right. And then Mount Logan, all the double cornices will have melted off. So then it's just, you know, a ridge scramble. Right. Okay. So yeah, there's still there's still hope. Hold on. All right, all yeah. right, all right. Stay tuned, yeah, right? stay tuned. No, but yeah. we, we kind of concluded that the number of days that you get to climb in your lifetime is a finite number. And we had spent seven years of our prime time climbing careers pursuing this list and this goal, which was super fun in and of itself. But then it got to this point where there was these other objectives that were more inspiring. And it's like, do we want to spend how much of our time sitting in sitting in the tent in a storm in Alaska, or do we want to go and climb in Europe and climb in South America right. and climb or, and ski, you know, this or that, or, you know, there was other things that just rose above the priority that had been the pursuit of this list. Yeah. And so we just, you know, as, as much as, I mean, I, I kind of got depressed, I think when we saw the writing on the wall and said, we're not going to finish this thing, or at least not now, and probably maybe not ever. And we have done what we are going to do with it and let's move on. And I think between now and then it's, it's settled a little bit easier and it's like, and we've done really fun and exciting things that we're truly inspired by since then. And, and that makes the, you know, the acceptance of defeat a little bit easier to, right. you know, to I wouldn't even it. call it defeat. I think it was, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest decades of our lives, you know, living in a van, climbing mountains and yeah. And know. doing it together and, you know, like going to these places that we wouldn't ever go had we not had the list like Petersburg, Alaska for the devil's thumb. We would have never gone there, you know, but we were there and it was a really cool, scary, you know, <laughs> mission that stretched us in ways that, we didn't see coming. That, that was the, actually the really other cool thing about the project is that we had to have a really broad set of skills and across a lot of different medians all under the umbrella of climbing, you know, ice and big wall and expedition style and, you know, just ridge scrambles and reading off with yeah, like, chimney, mudstone, you name it. Right. And so like the whole, the whole thing, you know, that when someone says I'm a climber, you know, some people look at that and say, you know, I climb in the gym and I can climb any 514B that you throw my way and I'm an on-site climber or whatever. And the other people are like, well, I'm a boulder and well, I'm a, you know, I'm an alpinist and I do scary things or I'm a whatever, you know, fill in the blank. And, and when I say I'm a climber, it's like, I can do a whole bunch of different things at a pretty okay, acceptable grade, but I don't do any one of them like at the top top so would you say you're like a classic climber i'm a classic climber (laughs) well yeah i mean it it actually really it really is you know this whole specialization thing is a modern concept in a lot of ways and so you've got you know uh those guys writing the book and that's you know that's really what a climber was then because you you know like the whole chenard thing of you know taking the, the skills in the yosemite to the great ranges like a lot of those great climbers, not all of them. I mean, Harding was just a rock climber for the most part, but a lot of them, 
that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And that's what was seen as just natural. Like you are mm-hmm. good at all of these different things. Yeah, like Alan Steck, the author mm-hmm. and the guy that climbed the Hummingbird Ridge, it was either the months prior to that or the months preceding the Hummingbird Ridge, he did the second ascent on the Salathay. Right. So, I mean, this guy is like cutting edge on both thing you know both both mediums and that's all i mean this guy was like legit Mm -hmm. and now when you see interviews of i mean he's like an old man and you you know like i would disassociate him with like this elite athlete but man in his day like i he wouldn't have asked me to go climbing with him like i'd be way under his ability level but then when we interviewed him for for hummingbird ridge he lives in berkeley and all he was interested in was like our high tech stove, you know, like, well, you know, kerosene has more BTUs right. per what, or D, you know, than diesel. And, and how much food are you going to bring? We had, you know, like 14, 60 pound loads, or maybe it was 16, 40 pound loads that they were expedition styling and 1400 meters of fixed line. Right. I, you can fact check me on those. Well, and he still but. had the shovel or the spade that they used and they drilled holes in it to make it lighter. Yeah, he bought it from like Ace Hardware. Right. Yeah. Like, and it was like a army steel. surplus thing. Yeah. Or something like that's that. probably yeah. more correct for yeah. that. Yeah. It was like a four foot tall hickory handled shovel right that was his like piece of gear that was like man you gotta have this (laughs) we're like we we got some newer shovels we might take them but uh thanks for the offer (laughs) he could not he could not see us doing it alpine style he's like you can't carry that much food they did in like 30 days or something like it was for real so anyway it's i don't know i think that the the take-home message for me is like you know like having this goal helped us go these places and do these things that we wouldn't have done otherwise and put on, you know, the training regiment because we had this carrot to like train for and we were kind of scared of it. And it was like, it was really motivating. And then the flip side of it was like, man, we're sitting in this tent for the umpteenth day and we're not climbing, you know, we should just go to Yosemite and, you know, get sunburnt climbing splitter cracks. And so, you know, being in the moment of, of what it, you know, when it was, was sometimes hard, but also... Well, anytime. I mean, we had some pretty major ups and downs. I remember the second time we tried the Cassine, we were unsuccessful because there was this crazy warming there. And there was actually also a lightning storm that came through Denali National Park. And it just was not lining up. And we came home and Mark didn't talk to me for like a month because he was so mad. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but, mad but you, again you have to put it in okay, context let's talk more about that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again like our our plan for that may was we we're gonna go and climb the west ridge of moose's tooth second attempt and then we we're gonna bump down to climb mount fairweather right and then we we're gonna bump from fairweather to saint elias mm. no we did huntington which we did do. We did all of those. Yeah, and then we're going to go back to this Denali the- National Park and get on the Cassine. And so our month was like this insane, like who even tries for this? But we had to, you know, to get what we got done on what we got done in the seven years that we got it done, took this like hairball plan of like way overreaching and then being having to be okay with less than. Yeah, right. we got three out of four that trip and he still didn't talk to me for a month. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> 
living in a van? Because we're you guys still living in a van. Yeah. S- still, yeah. No, no. The- in a van, not talking to each other is pretty right. heavy. <laughs> oh man, we were in Vegas one time. I got so mad at him, and I get out of the car and I slam the door and I start walking down, and then I realize I'm in like some random street in Vegas, and I think I hear gunshots. I don't know. So I get back in the car and slam the door again and sit in the driver's seat. And Mark's like, "You're back quick." I'm like, "It's scary out there." <laughs> That's got to be like just standard van life, like living though. Yeah. Just where do you go when you're mad at each other? There's nowhere to go. We're in a van. Right. Well, I'm sure it's everyone like, else never I'm has sitting that in problem. The front. Don't come up here. Well, we <laughs> don't we, look at me. Yeah, we did get the. Uh, there's the nice way to close the tent zipper, right. and then there's the mean way. It still doesn't have the same impact as like slamming the door. And that, that's when you grab a shovel and just start throwing snow on the tent. And then you're like, wait, this is going to cause me harm. I better stop. No, awesome. I, there was plenty of forced forced uh, reconciliation and, and uh, conflict resolution, I should call it. There's a book in there. There yeah. you go. Yeah. How many times I got my knife out and just looked at the rope and then put it back away <laughs> again. <laughs> The pen knife. Yeah. And then the other, I mean, really the other big part of it that we haven't talked about yet is taking on this project and taking on the filming of this project, you know, the filming of it and carrying a camera everywhere Mm -hmm. and getting the camera out, which are two different things. And then editing it and distributing it, it was, it added a huge component to the whole thing. And so this, this project, it was all consuming. I mean, we, we, Ate, thank, dreamt 50 classics for a while. Yeah, I think that Mark is bringing this up because he wants you to, to counsel us because that's where all our fights were. We're over the camera. Oh, really? Yeah. For sure. Definitely. Whether it should be out or not or like who's doing what with it or Mark, its existence Mark just has a natural love for film and photography. Right. And okay. he was all about making this pretty public. And I was okay with it, but it didn't have... I, that aspect of it didn't excite me as much. Mm-hmm. And so... Yep. All right. Yeah, just carrying the camera was a big win when she, you know, like put a camera in her backpack. It was like, oh, all right. Okay, now you have to use the camera. <laughs> okay, now you have to, there's this thing called exposure. Right. You know, and and so it's this, you know, and all the while we're climbing kind of legit routes and you don't need to be thinking about what the camera is doing, you know, but we had to think about. Well, I think the bigger thing there is I, I like going fast. I like moving quickly and the camera would always slow things down. Um, so I'd get mad at him for always taking photos. And then there's a couple words I'm never allowed to say again is, are you ready? I'm not allowed to say that in our relationship because I'm a little faster than him and he gets, makes him very upset. So Another way to that say component. that would be Janelle's impatient. Okay. <laughs> And this is we're getting into the gold now. <laughs> Let's get no, back Janelle to climbing. Is, the Janelle's, audience wants to hear about that. Janelle is super, super fast, super efficient, and can just like, you know, I mean, in any of these expeditions, she would be in the front of the van packing all the food, and I'd be in the back of the van packing all the gear. And so we got like mega dialed on those type of things. So we could roll up to a spot. The first year that we went on this, you know, quest in 2010, we did 26 routes in, in one, you know, spring, summer, fall. And so, you know, we got really good at showing up to a place, getting the beta, getting the gear, getting the food and, and going in there. And the camera part of it would just slow the process down. Right. And so you're like, you know, everything's firing and, and we're moving up this thing. And then I was like, wait, 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 that was a cool shot. Can you climb that again? 
you know, oh, like, yeah, come yeah. on. Climb that again. Is yeah. Gotta well, a lot of these are just yeah. really, a lot of them are really big roots and yeah. you just don't have, I mean, you kind of need to move. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, every time you do that, you're definitely, you know, taking a, a sort of chance that, mm-hmm. I mean, just taking a little chunk out of the possibility of success. I mean, when you slow down and stop, because sure. in those big roots, it's like time is money and you mm-hmm. got to get up and get down or you may not make it. So yeah. I can, I can feel you. Yeah. And I mean, we're like, you know, you get new gear and you're cutting off all the tags and yeah. the zipper pulls and everything. And then you throw a four pound camera in the right. mix and it's like, oh, okay. And yeah. you're, you're uh, like, uh, you're ski mountaineer. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the whole, you know, ounces here and ounces yeah. there and grams here and grams there is like your whole bread and butter. Right. You know, I like, I like going fast. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we've spent a lot of time on that. Okay. And so we Moving have, on. yeah. <laughs> I wish you guys could see the faces that are being made. Um, anyway, that good, good counseling. You guys made it through. Yep. Um, you have a child together now, so let's yep. let's focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> Still successful in many facets of life. And uh, through the, through this time, you said seven years. When when was sort of the the final realization of like, hey, this is pretty much off the table now. We're good to go. When we went up to, we had Middle Triple and St. Elias right. and Logan on our tick list for that last year. And yeah. we're like, well, if we get Middle Triple, we'll go, regardless if we get Middle Triple, we'll do St. Elias and Middle Triple. If we're successful on those two, we'll give Logan a try again. And so when we came off of Middle Triple and we we're unsuccessful, mm-hmm. we're like, I mean, I don't know. I think we stayed at our friend's house in Alaska and used up all their internet watching really bad TV because we were so depressed. And we had a buddy we were going to meet up with for St. Elias. He's like, hey, just look at it as a different mountain, different project. Just go in there with the new fresh eyes. Let's just go have another fun adventure on the mountain. And so then we were successful on St. Elias and it kind of built some more stoke. But it's like, you know what? Mark's like, I have no desire whatsoever to go back to Logan. Like, I just don't feel like I'd survive if I tried again. And I think that was kind of the... What was the year? The end. 17 yeah so just not that long no yeah yeah and it's wild because it it, i remember hearing about it and then i think you guys were then yeah it was like in the grind of it all yeah and it was like because there's always yeah this is what's going on this is what we're doing right and um yeah so i didn't know i didn't ever hear the story of of any of that stuff so yeah it's like how do you finish a story like that right totally well and then we also had you know, we were, we were still like throwing up, do we, you know, do we like put in the time to get better at aid climbing and more efficient and be strong in the spring when middle triple peak is an option, which takes a lot of dedication and, mm-hmm. you know, you have to like not ski and you have to go, you know, climb in the winter time, which we don't do. <laughs> or we had this other opportunity to ski across the Alps and it was this real, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity and we chose to do that instead. Right. And so, it, you know, it's this pretty good example of like you know what the list has been good but now we have this other opportunity let's do that and we just like fully shifted gears and we just skied and and had a really cool experience doing that as opposed to maybe getting middle triple peak or probably sitting in the tent for a long time and so or dying yeah um Mm -hmm. the so and that that was like the bulk of what you talked to doug at at, on uh, totally deep about was the was the traverse and correct yeah so and that was pretty um so yeah this is all pretty recently um and you through this sustaining yourselves guiding and doing media racing what was sort of sustaining like your lifestyle it was a combo i mean we both we were living in crested butte 
during the winters mm-hmm. and we both worked at the Nordic Center there. Mark okay. was the manager and I did the director of events. Okay. And so we did that and then it was roof shoveling, it was guiding, uh, random donations. We did a couple Kickstarters, sure. sponsorship mm-hmm. from different companies. Obviously the the first time you know, our first sponsorship was Canaan and they gave us one pair of sunglasses and we thought we had totally succeeded. Boom, yeah. done. You know? And then it just, <laughs> and they were great and it just kind of transformed right. and moved yeah, onward but we, and upward. We really didn't need too much money. I mean, we were, we had a really good rental situation where it was cheap when we were there and then we weren't paying rent when we were on the road and we were on the road for six or seven months a year and we owned our van and that was, that was the big like start of it. it was like buying this van and, and, and then, yeah, I mean like the, the expensive part of it was doing expeditions in Alaska, which right. we would do one a year and that'd be like five or 6,000 bucks. And then the rest of the time you're just in, you know, as you know, right. like it doesn't cost too much to live on the, live on the road. Right. So we didn't, we didn't really need that much. No, we were pretty cheap too. So thank you for everyone who housed us and showered us and yeah. gave us free food. Yeah, now we're we're in now it. we're trying to pay that back for yeah. the next decade. So anyone plus. that comes through Jackson is like, hey, uh, I'm like, yeah, come take a shower, laundry, nice. you right. got it, right? You know, cool. And, yeah, no, you have to do that, mm-hmm. and it's nice to to eventually uh, uh, graduate to a place where you can totally you know, not like right. this house that we're sitting in right now. It's the first time I've ever had an actual guest room ah. with a guest bed. Yep, um, and it's cool, you yeah. know, because yeah, then you get to nice. yeah. you get to see their stove. Yeah. and kind of you know it's like, like yeah can i crash on the couch i'm like no you can't you're gonna crash in the guest room nice. in the new bed like yeah so it's like <laughs> that's that's a pretty awesome feeling because you're right it's all payback for years of, of yes the other way we around. have a lot of payback to do Soon. so please cool. hit us up we might be nice to you <laughs> all right cool i want to talk we got to switch gears because uh one of the reasons you guys are here is to talk about this other project um that mark's been doing with the climbing end of things um it's it's a team effort this this uh well let's talk about this project um the the online instructional video um who wants to take the take the uh the moment to give me the rundown I'm good at using cameras now, so I can shoot a lot oh, of Oh, you feel better about yeah. them? They're yeah, not yep. like, P- you yep. don't get PTSD yep. from the hoisting. No, I, I just go for a run in the morning. Then I'm like, all right, I'm all yours, Mark. <laughs> okay, cool. I just got to get out the, you know, the crazies. <laughs> now, th- this has been, we're, we're about three years into these online tutorials. Okay. And essentially, I'm taking the things that I teach in guiding career and the things that I've learned from personal experience, personal climbing, and... I'm making online how-to videos in these in the framework of a course. Okay. And the first one I did was how to climb Denali because I climbed it five times. And the first time I climbed it, I didn't know anything, but I still stumbled my way up. And it's like, man, there's all these rookie mistakes that you can make and still make it, but it's way more enjoyable if you actually know this stuff before you go on to the mountain and then you won't make those mistakes. And the the genesis of it was sitting in the tent at the base of Alpamayo in Peru with two clients that wanted to climb Denali by themselves. And I'm like, all right, you know, we got a rest day. Like, you know, and I just like start writing the list of like, what do you want to know? And they're like, what about this? What about this? And so that started the, the chapters. And then I just shot them and I used some footage that I had gotten because I always have a camera with me and I have a ton of, you know, hard drives of footage. And so it's pretty neat because I can talk about this thing, you know, whatever the topic is, like melting snow for water or how to pitch a tent and then cut to these like actually there or somewhere else of like real, like, 
you know, examples that mm-hmm. really sears into your brain much more than a book. And so it's kind of like reading a book, but way better because it's not these black and white or even color still frames. It's like a whole video. And so all these topics that can be taught on video and maybe some, you know, te- uh, strategy is I, I just document it and it's, you know, you can just systematically go through it. If you forget something rewatch it. And then the catalog of offerings has grown in the last three years. And so there's, you know, uh, rock climbing acres, rappelling, ski mountaineering, navigation, and I'm just going to keep adding to them. Right. So it's so pretty l- let's talk about the rock climbing ones. Then. Okay. Um, cause they're, it's interesting. I've been, you know, I've, you guys <laughs> said when you walked in, you said you'd listen to taps, which just came out. And I find myself that, you know, that's tongue, a lot of tongue in cheek stuff. And, but after taps, then I start getting emails like you said this, or you said that. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, I was sort of joking or yes, I do believe that or whatever. But here I am in this position of sort of an example of, of someone with a lot of experience and has a public public face and so i get all these questions yeah and every once in a while i just have this like thing in my head of like well you know who am i to be giving this advice and am i like and then i'm like well am i legally bound by any of these emails like if someone you know gets gets in a situation that messes themselves up but what i realize is that yeah i have all this personal experience that's it's you know it's different than what the book might tell you and and i you know and, and the ways in which you really encounter these things as climbers, which isn't always the same as, you know, the freedom of the hills is the great example right. everybody uses. Um, is, is it is it some of that stuff too? like, hey, you know, this is this is the set in stone way to do things. And then but here's my been my experiences. Are we getting your experiences out of some of these tutorials as well? Yeah, for sure. And that's that's been the neat thing about like a podcast where it's kind of like the Wild West mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, we can we just do this. Um, these courses are they're not like polished in that in that like out of the 24 experts, we took the average of what they were saying. And this is what we think. It's more like, Hey, this worked for me on this one route doing this one thing. And that's combined with make a decision for you. Right. Right. This, you know, that's the cool part about climbing in general is that it's not an equation. It's not, you know, there's not the same outcome every time. And there's always going to be curveballs thrown at you. So if you're good at making decisions, mm-hmm. then you can take any route and any, anywhere and like, you know, have a successful outcome. And yeah, so that's kind of where I, that's kind of where I sit with it. Right. Where I'm going to show you what I do. Like the, the anchors ones, 50 non-textbook anchors I trusted my life to. Okay. You know, I mean, that is just like, if, if you pitch that to the Mountaineers publisher, they'd be like, nope. Right. <laughs> you know, like Freedom of the Hills is like the opposite of that where I'm like, okay, an anchor needs to be good enough for what it's for. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, at the very minimum, your anchor could be your fingertips and your, you know, the tips of your shoes. Or like if you're ice climbing, it's just like a quarter inch of your, your ice pick. That could be your anchor you know, as you're free soloing up something. And then on the other side of the spectrum is a three point, you know, shared load, you know, cordelette, all that kind of thing. Right. But we live in this gray area where maybe it's a two point anchor. Maybe it's a one point anchor. Maybe I wrap the horn around a tree, you know, or, or 
or wrap the tree around a horn. What am I trying to say? Some sort of tree got wrapped by a piece of webbing. Would yeah, be my there guess. we go. Okay. Well, <laughs> what Mark's trying to say is he really wants to help people make decisions, and he wants to teach the reasons why they're making those decisions. Mm-hmm. And he even offered a really great what do you call it of you know if someone there's no reason to die building an anchor or losing not using enough pieces so yeah it's the i've it's been about three years now where i want to remove the financial part of of making a crap anchor and wrapping off of one stopper which a lot of people have done myself included and when i was in my 20s that decision was a a financial one right like dude, these are like 10 bucks, you know, like I'm not going to burn two, one's good enough. And so my thing is if someone needs to bail, I'm going to buy their second piece of gear. And, and so they can make a legit anchor and get out of there. And then they email me and I just send them cash. <laughs> are you are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Like Mark, I think his, <laughs> his ambition, awesome. his ambition far exceeded his talent when he was 20. And so yeah. right now he's thinking about his 20 year old self right. and trying to do everything he can to save those 20 year olds. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, most 20 year olds survive. It's not, yeah. it's not like I'm keeping people out of the grave. I'm just making their mothers sleep better at night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny because I, I just like shame them now. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Six bucks, like you can't leave a beaner. Like, yeah. come on, you yeah. know, like that's less than a beer. Well, you know, like, now you can just yeah, pass them on to exactly. Mark and be yeah, like, "Hey, totally. Mark, will give you cash." In, I'll link you guys to Mark. Like, yeah. oh. but you're no. just like this one guy keeps emailing me about <laughs> gear. It's like, why am I always sending money to this address? <laughs> he's, he's right. Just like look at this rack, <laughs> Mark Smiley bought me. <laughs> anyway, but, don't do that. That's not cool. No, the uh, <laughs> the the criteria is uh, under thirty years old. Because mm-hmm. after you're 30, you're, you, you make better decisions. Yeah, your brain is fully developed. There's no excuse. And not that you're, well, biologically, your brain isn't fully developed right. before then. And you have to take a picture of it. Oh, right. On. And then I'm also going to give them a really, really, really deep discount on my anchors course. Right on. Because they just need to know that stuff. Yeah. And, and you only get to do it once, right? No, no. You can do it oh, multiple really? times. I mean, if you're like. It a, seems like, look, dude. No, no. If you're a hard charger, okay. I mean, how many times have you had to bail in your career? I mean, a ton, yeah, right? right? Like right. we we have to bail. And so, you know, like the decision should never be a financial one. Right. I think that's my main thing. And, you know, people give back to the communities in all kinds of ways. And this was just a way that I saw it would be so easy. It's like, send me a picture. Okay. You could have done this, maybe this, but did you ever think, you know, and, and so there's some coaching there. Sure. And then what's your Venmo? And it's so simple. You know? Wow. And, and I mean, and really, I mean, honestly, like not many people have taken me up on it. No, I mean, it's, that's a, it's like, uh, I think, I mean, it's a cool game that you're playing because the fact that you're offering is going to be enough to make people go, oh, I shouldn't be a dumb fuck here and put another piece. Yeah. And that's the feedback. I mean, that really is like more of the game, which is cool, which is like, I mean, you're willing to give some money away, but also the idea that you're that concerned about it will make other people concerned about it. Yeah. And that's all. And, and other happens, people, you so. know, other people have also said, wow, that's a really cool initiative. Um, can I, you know, donate to this pool of, you know, and it's just not big enough yeah. to do that. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, what? I, I don't want to make it part of a brand. I don't want right. to make it part of, it's just philanthropy. It's not a, you know, right. it's just like, hey, when you're out there, just put a second piece in and make them both good. Right. You know, well, and, and that's of, the end of the story, you know, and like most of the time it is, it's repelling and it's anchors. That's where people seem to have the most accidents. And so trying to help limit, limit 
those accidents is kind of where we're trying to go. Yeah. And, and again, it's not always these like death things. It's these near, near misses. Right. You know, because if I count up the near misses that I had and have had, it's a lot. And, and that's, you know, I mean, everyone likes to look and like analyze the, the fatalities. I think it's more interesting to analyze the near misses. And so like at the end of the day, it's like, all right, where was I most at risk and how could I eliminate that next time? Mm-hmm. And that's a really good habit to get into. Um, and it doesn't, you're not a worry word. You're not a, you know, like a, I mean, I'm still like going big and doing this on big objectives, medium objectives and small objectives. So it's just a good habit to get into because we all want to have a long career and be climbing well into our sixties, seventies, eighties, whatever. And I think if, you know, when you have those near, I know I have friends that have had the near misses and they just hang up the rack. They're done right? because this is, this is stupid. And it's like, well, I mean, it's risky, but it doesn't have to be stupid, you know? And so I think, you know, that that's all in the context of these courses. And so if, as, as people have a bigger toolbox to draw from, to make these good decisions, they're going to do just that. And so the courses have that in mind, like, Hey, you need to know this stuff and the stuff that can be known needs to be known. And you can know it by watching this course. Mm-hmm. You can also watch it by scouring YouTube for five days right. and maybe get something that's okay. And maybe something that's marginal and maybe, it, you know, you'll find a nut every once in a while, but this is like the good stuff. And, and that's what I'm, you know, holding the standard to is like, this is good stuff. And it's not just like textbook. It's, you know, rubber meets the road, real learning. And then like through the AMGA uh, certification, I've been, you know, tested by my peers and bring that to the table as well. And so is it for everybody? No, but it's kind of for anyone that has learned from a book that now wants to learn from a better medium that is video. And so you're seeing the knots being tied. You can hit replay. You can, you know, see the different examples, the real life examples in action. And it's, it's a powerful thing. I mean, and I think in 20 years, this is going to be widespread where people kind of like dating in you know, 2005, if you met a friend or were talking to a friend and they were like, oh yeah, I met this girl online. You're like, whoa, weirdo. Right. And now when you say that, you know, 15 years later, it's like, well, of course you met him online. Whereas I think learning about climbing, skiing stuff that can be learned online will be learned online because it's a powerful thing. It's way better than books in my opinion. Right. Well, and it's also, you know, the, the course thing, I think everybody in their head will leap to like that being the best, like, uh, you know, being on site with somebody, but, but there's our advantages to this over that. Like you just said, um, replaying, going back and looking at it again, it, you know, uh, because I, I, you know, I'm in, I guided for years. Um, that was in ancient history, but I do spend some time still doing one guiding thing twice a year, which is to teach a crack clinic with uh, Steph Davis. Cool. I'm just like one of her sort of minions that, that are there. And, uh, I've been doing it for years and I do it because I'm friends with her and, and I have a lot of fun doing that because it's a very, you know, limited scope guiding that yeah. I feel comfortable doing. Um, cause I kind of got out of guiding cause I, it was, I started to find it to be a little scary. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that, 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 uh, Hallett thing that I mentioned earlier, you know, like 
the situation that shouldn't have resulted in any sort of accident mm-hmm. um, was like a serious major thing. And I was just like, you know, because we're walking down like no no helmets on. We're just like hiking out, sure. hiking out. Right. If he'd have flipped around and gone in that that thing head first, he might have gotten killed. Totally. And I was just like, ooh, shit. Anyway, but back to this thing. You know, it's like we go through all these this stuff in the moment. And, and you have a schedule throughout the day. And so it's like, everybody needs to learn this. And this, we have this hour right now to learn this thing. Mm-hmm. And then we move on, you know, and it's like nine people. Certainly some of them have it dialed and other people don't. And they have chances throughout the, the two days to ask more questions or to get you aside or whatever. But it's not like just saying, okay, like, let's just redo that. Let's just look at it again. Right. The whole way through again. Right. Um, and that individualized part of it, I think, is really cool, too, because very seldom do you do these, like, beginning-ish kind of rock courses, whatever they are, uh, it, as an individual thing. Mm-hmm. You're in a group. Mm-hmm. And again, and every group we have, I, you know, and you guys know this too, like those two people got it before I hardly even left my mouth. Right. These folks, you, they're going to go home and not have it. And everybody's in between. So it's an individualized thing in a way because you can just go at your pace and, and look at it at your own, uh, as, as you do it. And a month later, when you've forgotten, because that's the other thing that I'm sure happens to these people who go to these courses, they don't climb all the time. So they learn this thing and then it may be months in their lives before they ever use it again in the field. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so. it's kind of like learning language too. If they're at home learning this language as they show up for your clinic and they know the language already. So now it's just the hands-on aspect. Right. So looking at these things beforehand. Yeah. 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 And it just sets everyone up for success. Like it's not going to replace real life experience, but right. when you show up, you'll be so ready and able to learn at a higher level. Or you'll be there and be like, so... I watched this video uh, and that's yeah. exactly the opposite of what you're doing. I'm just like, damn that guy. <laughs> that's when we'll he, get lots of emails. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, I was just shooting the aim. He didn't even know how to tie, tie a clove hitch when he started guiding. Did you what know an that? idiot. <laughs> anyway. no, I, I was just shooting the AMGA videos in Uray, you know, ice climbing. And there's two like real experienced ice climbers that were the talent. Uh, Pat Orman and Lindsay Fixmer. And I learned stuff, you know, from like, I learned a lot of stuff and I've ice climbed for right. decades. And so the the point is that learning should never stop. Right. And there isn't one t- style of learning that just, you know, is the best for everybody all the time. Right. And so in-person has its place. Books have their place. You know, little 60 second Instagram blurbs have their place. And so just keep learning. And so if these courses can help in that learning process, that's awesome. But there, you know, there's kinesthetic learners, there's audio, you know, audible learners, there's, you know, visual learners, there's, you know, all these different types. And in the video, I think it does hit on several of these different senses that, that will help stick in your brain. If I have a client, for example, that we're going to go on a glacier, I send them my crevasse rescue course and it's like, I don't, I don't, you know, see that they've played it through and then go, Oh, they know everything about crevasse rescue. I just say now they have the basics and now we're going to spend the time that we have that they're paying a lot of money to be here in person and get direct feedback. And we're going to spend that on application, right? I'm not going to talk about how to do a moon to mule overhand. They know how to do that. Now I'm going to say, this is where you do the moon to mule overhand. And if you do it this way and that way, it's a little bit nicer, you know, it's a little bit better. And, you know, they don't need to learn what a micro traction is when we're 
in person because they right. can learn that online before we even show up. Right. And then if they forget what a microtraction is four weeks later when they've been at work forever and they're like, what's that thing called? They just click replay and it's like, that's what it is. Purchase. I mean, it's just a neat tool. Yeah. It's really, and it's fun because I, I've been shooting video forever. And so I have this whole list of, you know, of outtakes of like real life examples and, and people can just learn. And the, and the feedback I've gotten from the, the people that have taken the courses is, is super positive. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been really fun and I'm just going to keep doing it. Right. And you've got a repelling one. I do. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, it's like, you know, we've just, like, I've just opened this can of worms on Sama repelling in that last episode. Yeah. Um, but regardless of, of that or anything else, I mean, that right there, I just would love to, pres- you know, prescribe that all my listeners experienced or otherwise like watch something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't know the corners you've started to cut, like, I kind of always talk about like the, the, you know, you learn all these hard rules, like you always do this, you yeah. always do that. And then I always talk about like gun safety as my example, cause I grew up, um, with a hunting family and okay. like you learn, you know, when you're allowed to, to have a BB gun first and you learn all these like rules and then you're simulating having a real gun. So you don't ever do this, don't ever do this. And like, if you're a little boy and you're like nine, it's only a matter of like a couple of weeks before you're shooting each other. Right. Because that's fun. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> you learn the real way to do things yeah. and then you instantly start to cut corners. And I think yeah. with climbing, it's, you know, there's the, the freedom of the hills and then there's, okay, well, I don't really need to tie my knot at the end of the rope and I don't really need to do that. And, and there, you know, so it's like, you don't, you get to a point where you don't even remember which corners you're cutting, so to speak. And I think like a review would be a really good Mm -hmm. thing for even really good climbers to be, uh, you know, like this arc where you get out of your twenties and you're like starting to think about safety in a new way. I think most older climbers do. And, um, you know, so it's like, I, I love the idea of like a little package thing of, here's what repelling, here's how you learned it. Even if you're already experienced, mm-hmm. this is what, what you're missing. Yeah. And I think the repelling thing, it's, you're going to walk away with two different things. Number one, the efficiency that can be attained and checking all the boxes and being super safe. Right. And also the, you know, highlighting those things that you didn't know that you didn't know, you know, like the unknown unknowns right. is the cliche. And in the, in the course we talk, I, I mentioned, or I, have a chapter on simul repelling and it has its place. You know, you can do, you know, especially if you're climbing with grigris, that's the big thing is that if both people have a grigri, simul repelling can make sense in that context. But right. the thing that in like in just researching for this, for this course, I, I really like sat down and thought about it a long time. And the crazy part is that there's two forces there. Normally when you're repelling, it's just a downward your weight. And if you do if you deviate like you step up on a ledge, that force is removed. There's no more downward force because your feet are taking the weight. And in simul climbing, there's two forces. Simul repelling. Simul repelling, sorry. Yeah, sorry. There's two forces where you're you got that one I just described, but then you also have this other force trying to rip your rope up out of the device because the weight of the other person. And that is this force that is really hard to, you know, conceptualize as you're doing it. And Mm -hmm. it's not until it bites you that you 
are like, whoa, that's bad. And hopefully, you know, that knot at the end of your rope jams up against the thing. And actually, hopefully you're tethered to the other person. That's what I show in the, the right. course is, you know, that's how to really, you know, make it safe. And if you make simul repelling safe to the standard, you know, like air quotes, then you're not too much faster than just repelling normal. And and that, that then brings up the point of like making a checklist yeah. and like, again, in the course, it's like, I just work high to low, you know, check the anchor, check the thread, da, 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 da. And, and so high to low is an easy thing to remember. And you're just like, you know, look, look up, look down. And now we go. Right. And it really is like, I, I just guided Alpamayo in Peru this last year and there's cornices there and like little ice plugs and stuff that I didn't want to be under once the sun comes around and starts hitting the face. And we did not simul repel and we had to make our own V threads and the client, when we got down to the bottom of it and we're having dinner or whatever, and we're, you know, reviewing the day, he was like, that was the fastest I've ever moved off of a 1500 foot face. And we were fully legit. Right. You know, like full aside from being <laughs> under, you know, falling hazard. And, and so the point is, which that, is why you were moving fast. That's right. You know, and we could <laughs> move fast things, and yeah. we, but we didn't have to break a bunch of rules. Right. And I even, I even actually took my own advice. And on the last one, like the sun had been beaten and I'm looking up at this cornice, you know, that could totally schmuck us. And I was like, I, I missed the V thread on the first go. And I'm just like, forget it, leave the screw. Let's get out of here. And right. so we just, you know, we just wrapped and I left the screw. And it's like, who cares? Right. You know, it just doesn't matter. Uh, and so that I was, you know, taking a little, little bit of my own advice and it, and it was, it was good, you know, in the end. How much does the ice crew cost? Uh, I don't even know anymore. F- full price. I think is there's 85 bucks. All right. You know, something like someone that. sent Mark 85 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm over 30. Okay. I'm well, over right, 30. right. Cool. Well, my, my brain's fully developed. Well, and the great thing, there wasn't littering either. Cause the next climber, you know, that came up the next morning, just. Got, a, got himself a screw. Yeah, yeah. He, he was psyched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was probably just laying there. Yeah. Um, let me say this: like, my initial response was because I was a guide and I taught courses. I was like, you know, well, how can you not have the hands on it? But that like literally lasted about five seconds for me before mm-hmm. I started to also kind of grasp like this is a new era. Like these these can be really really positive. Yeah, and um. And uh, I'm totally on board with the idea of it. And again, as as a piece of the puzzle to to learn things along with what you read, what you do, what you've taught by other people. So yeah, the the biggest thing is there's no direct feedback. And you know, I chewed on that one for a while. And the closest thing I can get to and make it affordable, and if you live wherever, you can still tap into it are these secret Facebook groups and they call them secret. Just, I mean, it's like, it's just a closed group. Right. And so if you sign up for uh, the anchors course or the ski mountaineering course, you're in a group that discusses these other things and there's no trolling and there's no, it's not like, you know, like putting yourself out on mountain project or something and you just get, just berated or the enormous cast uh, Facebook page. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> like this is, I, I work really hard to make. Wait, isn't, isn't the host the one that does the berating? No, there? I like... just like take the piss out of everybody. Uh, okay. <laughs> but there's no, I mean, it's a safe learning environment. Right. And so the idea is you upload a picture of your anchor and 
and a question that you have, and then you get direct feedback from me. It's not real time, right? but it is, you know, it's there. And then you can, you know, as other people join the Facebook group, you can scroll down and you can learn a whole bunch of other stuff. So if you have this burning question or this scenario that popped up, because I mean, in climbing, right, right. there's always this like, well, this one time point is that the learning continues in these Facebook right. groups and so far so good. Like cool. it's, it's a cool cool you haven't uh, had medium. to ban anyone from facebook page. <laughs> no, they, they, you know, they, they they allow you to set rules you know uh-huh. like facebook does right and it, uh, rule one is uh don't be a douchebag right and rule two that is that always works yeah though, right <laughs> rule two is see rule number one right but uh, other than that we're right. good and it's at uh mtn sense right that's right MT, mtn sense mountainsense.com everything everybody needs to know about this thing is at that that site and that's right and then get in touch with you there as well yeah so you can just check out a course and if you don't like it you get your money back so i mean it's pretty straightforward um and and i'll keep adding to the list and these are living documents so like as things come up like a new piece of gear came out for crevasse rescue and so i you know shot another you know chapter for that and uploaded it and everyone who had access continues to have access well, and like speaking of near misses, I think the next one is going to be how to adventure with your partner. All right on. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on it here. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. If we get enough interest, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll go down that path. Well, I mean, it, I, when I said there's a book in there or something, yeah. like you guys, you have a lot of uh, tales to tell where you force yourselves into really stressful situations. And, um, you know, I was literally curious about that when I was you know, first hearing this first stuff about when you were first doing it and seeing whatever the media and the blog posts and things. I thought about that, you know, of like, wow, this is quite an endeavor to do with your significant other. Cause that's, you know, it's not super common in climbing. Men and women climb with their partners, but a lot of times they do, they go off and do their harder stuff with somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, um, and I don't think it should be a goal for everyone to go right. adventure with their significant other. But what? I, Why not, Mark? <laughs> what happened in your relationship? No, I'm just saying like, you know, I like, I think it's cool that we're an example of people that, you know, do. No. And, and like he said earlier, I think it really did just make our marriage stronger right and really who does the dishes or you know simple house chores really become a non-issue right yeah so it does make your home life i would say better well and i mean janelle she's an angel so that helps a bunch and and we also forgive each other often that helps a bunch as well yeah i think you know to do it with somebody that didn't have those attributes angelic and forgiving (laughs) would be really difficult (laughs) nice yeah and you're not just saying that no because we're all in the room together well oh is she gonna hear this (laughs) i'm sitting right next to you (laughs) that's right that's why he said it no well and mark's also a really quick learn so um i work as a mindset coach so i use all my tricks on him and then he uses them back against me so it works out really well right on (laughs) yeah well, we're about out of time, I think, for you guys, but uh, what is a mindset coach? You know, it's it's basically coming up against fear and learning how to work through it and move, in, move through it in a way that you are choosing love versus fear. It's great. Whoa. Whoa. Boom. <laughs> How did we not get into that? Next we're at episode. like that is the next episode. What? <laughs> sorry, we had to do a couple more minutes on that. So, where does someone find you about this? 
I have a website. Okay, what is it called? Um, it's my name, JanelleSmiley.com. Okay. And I've spent my career thinking about these things and diving out, diving in, and then I've taken a couple courses on holistic coaching, and I found that the fear is really the biggest debilitating aspect of anything we do in life. And so learning how to confront it, overcome it, work through it is life-changing. And you, is it is it sort of uh, like sports and outdoor achievement oriented or everything are we talking about you know actually i'm really excited i've done some falling clinics clinics for arteryx up in squamish during their academy and that's kind of where it started and then this just this summer i'm actually launching some running events which i hope to lead into skiing and climbing where i will actually you come and you do these fun physical adventures but we get to dive into the soul of it all as well so just this year i'm launching launching them so look for them awesome yeah okay well uh, you guys have to get back to grandma and the kid and we could like just go off on another hour of this. But look into that as well. Uh, I'm talking to the listeners now. Uh, JanelleSmiley.com. We got MTNSense.com. Um, it sounds like you guys are really in this mode of trying to find ways to uh, to give back a little bit to the community at this point. Well, I think we've had really great careers and we're still pushing our own abilities. But it's also that period where it's like, man... I want to, you know, I want to share what I've learned. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of power and I think it makes us better climbers and better humans when we get to share that with other people. Right on. Yeah. And thank you for having us on. Yeah, no problem. You know, been a fan for a while and it's cool to sit here and and do this. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming up to Carbondale and making the special trip to do the face-to-face thing here in town. So appreciate you guys and, uh, keep at it and, you know, hopefully you're going to, uh, help some people get uh the you know the goals that they want to get done done and do it safely absolutely that's the goal thanks thank you all right folks thanks for listening and uh thanks to janelle and mark for showing up living in a van together as a couple for years and years and years doing heinous, dangerous mountaineering. Man, I don't know if my relationship could survive that. And we're pretty solid. And let's get Janelle back on here to talk about fear. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Okay, a reminder, those courses are available at mtnsense.com and for the rest of April, you get a discount if you enter enormacast at checkout. 50% off, baby. Do it. You got nothing going on tomorrow or right now, this afternoon. Nothing. Zero zilch. Yeah, that's pretty heavy. All right, we're not checking knots right now unless you're doing that silly furniture climbing, but we can check on each other. So let's just leave it at that. Don't forget to check on each other. Man, I've got certain information, all right? Certain things have come to light, and, you know, given the nature of all this new shit, you know, this could be a a, a lot more uh, 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 complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? (laughs) 